Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And welcome to Pod's Own Country, the politics podcast from the Yorkshire Post. My name is Caitlin Doherty and I am your Westminster correspondent. This week I spoke to Andy Street, the Metro Mayor of the West Midlands. Andy has been in his job now for four years and is one of many Metro Mayors across the country. We even have two for ourselves in Yorkshire with Tracy Brabin in West Yorkshire and Dan Jarvis in the South. It was really interesting to get his take on projects such as HS2, which clearly links his region and ours together, as well as what the government needs to do to make sure that it keeps the support of people and voters in the Red Wall who may have lent them their votes last time around. But before we get on to that interview, there has been one other big story in Yorkshire this week, and that was the cancellation of the Tour de Yorkshire for the third consecutive year. The street cycling event has brought tourists to the region from across the country and even internationally when it's been held in the past. And given that the last two summers have been uh, captured by the pandemic, it was quite a shock and surprise to some when it was announced that the event also wouldn't be going ahead in 2022. Political editor Chris Byrne has been involved with this story from the start, so it would be good to hear some more from him about it. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. How are you? I'm very, very good. Now, this is... The Tour de Yorkshire started, didn't it, when there was a stage of the Tour de France that was hosted in Yorkshire, am I correct? Yeah. So, um, the the Tour de Yorkshire, the first time it was held was in 2015, and that was sort of as a direct uh, result of the success of the Tour de France, the Grand Park, coming to Yorkshire in 2014. Um, And so, this was basically the legacy event. Um, and it ran for five years, was cancelled in 2020 due to the pandemic, cancelled in 2021 this year due to the pandemic, and it had been hoped that it could go ahead this time around uh, in 2022, um, but that's proven not to be the case. Um, why, why is that this time? So obviously the last two cancellations have been COVID-related. This time it's, it's a financial question really, um ASO, um, the organiser who organised it alongside Welcome to Yorkshire, um, ASO also organised the Tour de France. They they basically said that they didn't want to shoulder any losses from the event. Um, that meant the local councils um, were were being asked to effectively, who were staging parts of the race, were being asked to effectively double their their commitment to it, put up £200,000 potentially rather than 100000 and in the end, there was a lot of back and forth, as I understand it, behind the scenes. But in the end, they couldn't make the sums work for everyone. Um, and that's why we are where we are today. Is is there a divide on this? I mean, there are lots of local authorities and 
lots of different councils that cover Yorkshire. Is it a case of everybody was, we're all in this together and everybody said we can't afford it? Or is there some sort of divide happening there? So as we reported last week, um, six councils um, who were kind of along the step, along the route had agreed to um, pay this extra money to write any potential loss in, in sponsorship. Three hadn't made a decision yet uh, and were kind of sitting on the fence a bit as to whether they were going to or not. Um, but what the mood music's been since since the announcement in public at least has been supportive obviously disappointment at what's happened but generally supportive of welcome to yorkshire say they still want to work with welcome to yorkshire on bringing big events whatever they may be in future to the region so certainly uh, in public at least the, the view has been generally positive is this a final nail in the coffin for the event as a whole i mean obviously missing three years when your event only happened for the first time around in in 2015 that's quite a significant chunk of time can can you see it happening again happening again so nobody's saying that officially at the moment um that this is this is it um however i would say that a lot of time and energy and effort has been expended trying to make this happen um in 2022 and it's ultimately proved fruitless and these same issues are going to be issues in 2023 so i would question whether there will be an appetite to go through this rigmarole again if you can't guarantee an outcome at the end is that a good use of welcome to yorkshire's time as the council's official tourism agency is that a good use of all these councils time i think it's it's a tricky case to make that it's going to be back any time in the near future that is quite disappointing for yorkshire as a whole but perhaps understandable as you said given the financial situation following on from the two years of the pandemic thank you very much for coming to talk to us about this that was really really informative and i'm sure we will be speaking to you again soon I am here with Andy Street, the Metro Mayor of the West Midlands. How are you today, Andy? Yes, Caitlin, I'm very good. Nice to be with you. And of course, great to be with someone who represents a region with now two Metro Mayors. Yes, uh, we do. We obviously have Tracy Brabin in West Yorkshire and we have Dan Jarvis in South Yorkshire. Um, it looks like there will soon be another Metro Mayor in North Yorkshire as well, now that devolution deal is coming to fruition. Um, but one thing that separates you from both Tracy Brabin and Dan Jarvis is the fact that they were both MPs before they uh, before they took on their Metro Mayor role. Um, and that's true for a number of Metro Mayors across the country. I think when you got the job first time around, it was probably quite, quite a surprise to some people. Is it, were you expecting to win and sort of how how have you built on that from from here on in i mean you're very very popular you you won a second term you've obviously built that relationship with with the people of the west midlands and how do you think that's come to fruition uh, so you're right if i'm honest that it was a bit of a surprise when i won back in 2017 um i always knew when i gave up my job in 2016 to stand that it was a bit of a long shot conservatives had quietly confident in here that we could and actually making sure that all areas of it's looking like 
at some point in the next couple of years, North Yorkshire may also get um, a devolved mayor of some form as, you know, that, that devolution deal comes, comes to a head. You've obviously come at this from, from another angle. What advice would you give people who may want to run for that job, whether they be MPs or whether they be coming from a background that's not politics? And how do you think the job will change going forward? I mean, obviously, you've seen a lot in in your term. The, the country's changed immeasurably. What, what should they be preparing for? And I've also seen successes of lots of other mayors around the country as well. So I think perhaps the thing that um, I would say above all else is that you, um, I think that's been the defining features of mayors making a success of their jobs. It's got to be deep in your heart. You've got to know what, how a place ticks, how it's going to be successful in the future. And you've got to be prepared to champion it. And you've got to, uh, my own advice is that means laying out a positive plan for how the place is going to succeed in the future. But you know what? The electorate sniff out if that is genuine or not. And you really are committed to a place. So that would be my overwhelming advice. Make sure if you're thinking of standing for that role that you genuinely can pass that commitment question. Do you think that means that it has to be a person who is from that area? or has a link to it they might have I mean I am from this place obviously but had some time away but we always had my heart here you might be a person who's come in run a very successful business there run a might have come in and run a public institution there but there's got to be something that that gets citizens to understand you have an understanding of what matters to them so some form of connection absolutely critical Mm, okay that's that's really really interesting um talking about connection there connection to your place there is one fairly obvious point at the moment that is connecting both Yorkshire and and the West Midlands specifically Birmingham and that is HS2 now we've been talking about this project for it feels like all of my life and I'm 25 years old so I dread to think how long we've actually been talking about it but there have been there's been speculation in recent weeks that, you know, HS2 between Birmingham and Leeds, the Eastern leg, it may not go ahead or, you know, there may be delays. Birmingham and the West Midlands is obviously set to benefit from this project regardless because the route is already on its way from um, London to Birmingham and there is far less speculation, if any speculation at all, about the future of the leg between Birmingham and Manchester. Please correct me if I'm wrong. What do you think there is still value in the line between Birmingham and Leeds? Can you see it going ahead? And what do you think the problems are that are sort of stalling things at the moment? Okay, so you're quite right. It's been talked about, I think, since um, 2009 was the first piece. So I'm reckoning that's about half of your life. So, yeah, you must feel that way forever. Uh, so let's just give a very clear position on the uh, status of it. So the diggers are in the ground in Birmingham and indeed in Solihull, where the first station at called it's going to be called Birmingham Interchange is, is being built. So the leg from uh, Euston to Birmingham is secure, actually happening. We've got a schedule for when trains will begin to run. Uh, you're right that it looks as though the government will give the formal go ahead to the uh, Manchester East Western leg and it is 
again, this is not my decision, but it looks uh, uh, more questionable what decision they will take on the Birmingham Leeds leg. So my position on this, very, very clear. I was on the OCA review that looked at this and people have said I became the most uh, outspoken proponent of HS2 for the whole of the network. Let's be clear, the whole of the why. And when you look at the maths of it, actually it's by building the whole of it that you get the benefit. Where I think the government are, though, to answer your question head on, and I don't know this, this is my deduction, is that they are not yet in a position to give the go ahead to the start of construction of the Eastern leg. So I think they will say, we still wanna do this, it's still the right thing to do long-term. I strongly believe that myself as well, but we do have to acknowledge that the financial situation in the country is more difficult than it was a couple of years ago when the decision was taken to proceed. And for that reason, I am half expecting that the leaks that there have been will be proven to be true, that there will be a delay on the Eastern leg. If you say the government may turn around and say, you know, we do still want to do this, but it's not foreseeable right now. At what sort of point could you foresee that being possible? Are we talking another two years, another five years, another 10, 20? How how long do you think it could be until this project becomes financially viable in in the eyes of central government? I know that regional um, bodies and regional leaders are fully behind it all the way. Uh, I don't know the answer to that, actually, because obviously part of it depends on what they decide to do, as you might say, an alternative. And if obviously Leeds gets its fast link to Manchester, uh, there might be a very different judgment of the link from Nottingham to Leeds than if, for example, that link across the Pennines is not built. So it is, in a sense, it's an impossible question because it does so depend on what alternatives are put in place. And just to be really, really clear, the most important priority for the Midlands in this, just as it's argued there needs to be north east, sorry, east-west connectivity in the north, there has to be east-west connectivity in the Midlands as well. Current journeys between Birmingham and Nottingham, between Coventry and Leicester, really, really poor. So the thing we've got to get out of this current debate is that that east-west Midlands connectivity, just as quite rightly, you're pressing for trans-Pennine connectivity. Hmm. Do you think regional leaders such as yourself have have any sway and power in pushing this along or you know not necessarily speeding it up because however long it takes to build a railway is however long it takes to build a railway I think what people are frustrated with at the moment is the uncertainty over what's happening and what's not there has been more focus in recent years on metro mayors such as yourself you know the influence that you Tracy Brabin Andy Burnham Dan Jarvis have nationally as well as regionally do you think that there would sort of be, I don't know, power in a union, all of you pushing the government to do this. I mean, you are, um, you're a mayor for the governing party. Surely you must have some sway in what goes on in Westminster. So I think the best answer to this is look what happened um, back in the winter of 2019-20 when the government had to make a decision over what it was going to do. Uh, and I decided to step forward and people said I was um, arguably the leader of the campaign to get the thing built. And the prime minister jokes that, um, I was costing rather a lot of money, <laughs> to be clear, it is a joke about it, but I think it is definitely true, and lots of journalists commented on this, that I did stand forward, made my voice count, and so I think the evidence is that you can influence an outcome like that, but to be really clear, that was only because there was a good economic case on our side, and I knew that the OCA review had done its work, I was a member of it, and I knew that um, both the Department of Transport and the Treasury were looking through all the numbers in detail and I was confident it would come out with the right answer. And that's why I felt very confident going 
coming to bat in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, changing changing tack slightly, um, to hopefully hopefully something that is slightly more upbeat. Um, Birmingham specifically is due to host the Commonwealth Games next year. Yes. Yorkshire obviously has a raft of successful Olympians and everybody hopes that would translate into successful Commonwealth Games athletes. But big events still aren't what they used to be. And it seems that for some time, I, I don't know, are you, are you concerned that the Games won't be able to go ahead in, in their full form? And what support are you providing to athletes um, in places like Yorkshire, you know, athletes that have had to delay their training or have had 18 months of real, real disruption? How, how are you helping them forward to the Games and the viewing public as well? So let's be clear, uh, we are pressing firmly forward to run a full Games. That is the expectation at the moment, and that is uh, also the view of the government. So we're working very, very closely with DCMS to make sure that's what happens. And you know what? It feels an incredible honour that we are likely to be the first multi-sport event after the pandemic where spectators will be able to come. That is the current assumption, and it's a brilliant um, reflection. Uh, that actually the building of the athletic stadium, the building of the swimming uh, facilities are all on target and we are expecting to be having our opening ceremony on the 28th of July next year. And the good news is you mentioned viewing public ticket sales uh, go on sale next week, actually very fortuitous timing of this discussion, the 8th of September. Uh, We've already had a pre-ballot for local residents and it's been incredibly well subscribed and I'm expecting it to be very, very well subscribed as well uh, for residents uh, uh, next, uh, 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 all all residents uh, next week, because let's face it, the success of both the Paralympic team and the main Olympic team in Tokyo, and you're right, there's been lots of Yorkshire athletes starring in that, uh, give, give us real confidence that people will want to see those athletes again in Birmingham. So the message goes out, we will be ready. And yes, it's a huge honour and responsibility to do that as we begin to recover. What is the value or benefit of having events like this not in London? I mean, Manchester held the Commonwealth Games in, was it 2002, 2004? Correct. Obviously London. 2002. Yeah, London had the Olympics in in 2012, but the government talks a lot about, you know, levelling up, getting more money, more investment, more opportunity in into the regions. And, you know, we we talk about that a lot at the Yorkshire Post. Leveling up is a huge focus Mm. of our coverage. But do you think programmes like this and events like the Commonwealth Games contribute to the levelling up agenda? And if so, how and what are you hoping to take from it going forward and how can that sort of do you think it can be shared around yeah it's a great it's a great question caitlin and the answer the answer is yes so let me just explain how um and it's probably worth saying first of all that the success of securing the commonwealth games came at the end of 2017 so about six months after i was elected and, and it really was a very dominant thing in those first six months to persuade the government and then of course the international federation that birmingham should host these uh, games. And it's big public investment is the first thing to say, it's about over a billion pounds of public money going in. So yeah, uh, that's a, that in a sense is leveling up in action. So it's actually providing new transport links, it's providing new sports facilities. So they're there as legacy, just as we've seen in Manchester and London and Glasgow as well. Remember 2014 Commonwealth Games, 
So there's definitely that. But there's also the whole question about the promotion and profile of a city and a region. And by the way, I should say a region because more events are actually outside the city of Birmingham and in other parts of the West Midlands than in the city of Birmingham. So it's a West Midlands Games, even though quite rightly it carries the brand of Birmingham. But events literally from Cannock to Leamington through Wolverhampton and Coventry and lots in Solihull as well. So it genuinely is a regional effort. And we will get out of that incredible profile internationally. And we're running, of course, a business promotion act, a set of activities on the back of it. And we wouldn't have got a sort of showcasing of that. Again, government funded little money from ourselves without having the Commonwealth Games as the catalyst for that. And then lastly, in terms of levelling up, and it might take us to other questions that I sense may be coming, uh, there's actually retraining of people on the back of the Commonwealth Games to get the skills that are needed there and the jobs that come from them as well. So it's categorically, it's a great thing for the West Midlands to be participating in. Mm. You're, you're right that there, there might be a couple more questions on uh, on levelling up. And that was something that I was hoping to come to next. And I think what I was hoping to ask you is, is the government doing enough? I mean, I'd argue that the last 18 months has shown some glaring disparities in, you know, regional equality outcomes across England and across the rest of the UK. You know, Yorkshire and the Humber, the Northwest, the Midlands, you know, at times the death rates and infection rates from COVID and the various issues that come with that, you know, regarding employment and education have been sky high and, you know, greater than those in, in London and the Southeast. Do you, do you ever feel like the government of your political party are not doing enough for the people that you are representing and the promises that they are making on leveling up do you feel like there is enough two-way traffic there is is it coming okay good okay let's just let's just put this in a bit of context first of all because people all sort of speak both politicians and those asking the questions actually as though this leveling up stuff is brand new and it isn't you know leveling up actually was called something else but it was going on before the pandemic and I like to say, actually, we did levelling up in the West Midlands uh, before it even became a buzzword. And if you look at what was happening here before the pandemic, we had record jobs, record investment. We were closing the average income gap with the rest of the country through selective investment in our economy. So it was happening. But to answer your question head, head on, it's had a horrible knockback here in the last 18 months. So you are right that actually the levelling up ambition has been set back massively by the pandemic. There's no question about that. The West Midlands is the worst affected region economically. Mm. It's also true the government has now made real clear commitments in principle, but we need to see more detail on that coming through. And the encouraging thing is, if you think of a... Um, uh, a recent announcement around the transport investment funds called the City Region Sustainable Transport Funding. That is a massive investment, about £4 billion amongst the mayoral combined authorities. And that's evidence of real sort of substance behind the talk of levelling up. And I am optimistic that there will be similar funds around housing, around skills that also put flesh on that commitment. But there's no question that the challenge is greater after the pandemic than before the pandemic. In simple language, we could see we were closing that gap before it has broadened during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. One final question, apologies, it may, it may be quite a big one and one that might be quite difficult to answer, but you know, 
I, I am in Westminster representing the Yorkshire Post. I am speaking from Westminster for the Yorkshire Post to you based in the West Midlands. There's a lot of talk about, you know, political power lying outside London, the fall of the Red Wall when it came to the election a couple of years ago. Do you think that political power in this country is moving away from the capital? And if so, how do you think that is being reflected in policy and real life change? And where do you see it going forward? What are people in the regions in five years going to be able to say, yes, that is the political power that I have. And that has changed since, I don't know, 2010. Gosh, it's not a final question, is it? It's the beginning of a huge debate that you're quite right. But let me <laughs> let me try to answer it reasonably succinctly. So um, the Red Wall, um, the Midlands version of the Red Wall was breached here by Boris Johnson and his candidates in 2019. It wasn't out of the blue. It has actually been a steady drift that way since 2005 in the West Midlands. And my own win in 2017, which you asked about, was all part of that same trend. And... It came about, I think, because voters just said they were saying they want to see delivery on the ground. And there was a feeling that the Conservative team were able to do that. And actually, my sense of the sort of new politics are that, that, are that voters here feel emboldened, empowered, actually to exercise their judgment to see if delivery does occur. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Pod Zone Country. If you have any topics you think we should be covering or any stories you think that we should be digging into, please get in touch with me over email on caitlin.doherty at jpress.co.uk. I'll speak to you next week. <laughs>